Welcome to the Spanish Arpada. I'm Sarah. And I am Peter. And we are ranking and reviewing all of the rulers of Spain from Leovigild to Felipe VI. And this week we are going to be reviewing Ukba. I'm not even, I mean. There, I... There's a variety of different ways to spell it with, uh, with Western letters. I mm-hmm. have written it down and I'll title the episode U-Q-B-A. Okay. But I've also seen it O-K-B-A-H. I, I mean, yeah. All, all right. Yes. Uh, I, I'm. I'll, I'll just. I'll go with UQBA. I, I think that's probably for the best. This is going to be a fun episode because now we're kind of going back in time from our last episode and seeing what exactly happened in those five years between right. Patton's first and second term as governor. Right. Right. That was. You know. We we sort of had a a, a flash forward. Well, Ibn Khattan came out of prison and basically every single thing about the country he had governed was completely different for five yeah, years. Yeah, I'm thinking of 28 days later when the protagonist wakes up from his coma and there's already been the zombie apocalypse. It's it's kind of like that. Yeah, so we're okay. going to see how we got from the first term of Ibn yes. to the second term of Ibn Khattan, which was taken up by the governorship of Ukba. Okay. Now his full name is Ukba ibn al-Hajjaj, and he comes from a wealthy and distinguished family. His father, the great al-Hajjaj, had been the governor of Iraq around the turn of the century. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they they have a lot of power, they have a lot of influence. Now, Ukba himself is notably less distinguished than his famous father. Well, that sort of explains why he got the Andalus gig. Well, the story of how he becomes the governor of Al-Andalus is, is pretty notable because it illustrates the importance of patron-client relations in the Middle East at that time. Gotcha. So, so we're gonna go, we're gonna go into that. Let's jump back in time to see how this happened. Mm. When we last left Ifriqiya, the previous governor of Ifriqiya has just arrived at the court of Caleb Hisham with all of the gold and treasure that Abd al-Rahman raided from Aquitaine. Right. Right. And Hisham is- Nobody wants to be Musa again. Bring bring the gold back and give it all up. Well, Hisham is pleased as punch with his governor since he had constant money problems throughout his, his caliphate. So when the governor asks for a leave of absence, Hisham grants it. And he yeah. decides to name a man named Ubaidallah ibn al-Habab as the governor of Egypt, which also had a vacancy at this time. And mm. Hisham was trusting him to fill the governorship of Ifriqiya. Mm, mm. All right. Now, Ubaidallah does not come from a wealthy and distinguished family. His grandfather was a freed slave. Oh, my. But uh, he, is, he is definitely new money. He uh, is. In that respect. But Ubaidallah has been able to rise up in the world because his grandfather had an important patron, the great mm. Al-Hajjaj. Ah, all right. Uh-huh. So that's how these two families are connected. Sure. Ubaidallah's family was the client of Uqba's family. Oh. So he's appointed to the governor of Egypt. Ubaidallah and his sons head to Cairo to begin the governorship. And then Al-Hajjaj's son Uqba comes to visit. And congratulate Ubaidallah on his great new job. <laughs> and probably not coincidentally ask either for a loan or a sinecure. Well, it's funny because Ubaidallah is falling all over himself to honor the son of his family's patron. With oh, sure. whom he probably wouldn't even be in this position, right? Mm-hmm. True enough. The Akbar Makmuha says that Ubaidallah even let Uqba sit on the throne in the governor's palace. <laughs> oh, that's so adorable. Yeah. Uh, that's, and do you want to get your photo taken with Santa and Mickey while you're at it? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Uwena La's sons are really irritated by this. Mm, I'm sure they are. You see, despite their lower stature, despite their new money stature, as you call it, Uwena sure. La and his family are Arabs, and they're of the same ah. tribe as Muhammad. Ah. Right? So ah. even though they are descendants of a freedman, they see themselves as better than Ukba and his family, because Ukba, Ukba was Bedouin. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. oh, dear. Yeah. Well, this is sort of a hilarious topsy-turvy situation, isn't it? It is. So the sons complain to their father about it, and Ubaidallah says, and this is an exact quote from the Akbar Mahmouba, my sons, you are right. I did not think about what you have said, and I shall not repeat it. <laughs> oh, oh. Of course he doesn't. Yeah, no, of course. No, the next day his sons come to court and Uqba is again sitting in the governor's place and Ubaidallah is seated at his feet. Oh, wow. Ubaidallah then gives this- Peeling whole... grapes for him while- Oh, yeah. While, yeah, okay. Ubaidallah right. gives this whole speech about honoring one's patron and how important that is with receipts from various quotes by the prophet Muhammad himself. Right. If you got to cite a source. Yep, it's a good source. Then he turns to Ukba and he says, you know, I have to name a new governor to the province of Ifriqiya. Do you want the post? Uh -huh. Or I can post you to Al-Andalus if you want. I'm in charge of, of that as well. Just say mm -hmm. the word. I'll give you whatever post you want. Huh. Okay. This is either a thumb in the eye of his sons or he is very cleverly getting rid of the irritant. Well, um, surprising basically everybody at court that day, Mukba mm. chooses the governorship of Al-Andalus. That is very weird. That is, very uh, weird. You, can have, you can have New York or you can have Alabama. Oh, I can't wait to go down to the Gulf Coast. Well, Mukba's uh, yeah. reasoning is that he wants to continue to fight the Holy War and Al-Andalus is on the border of the Caliphate, so that seems to be the place to do it. Yeah, my dude, if you want to fight the Franks, more power to you. Go yes. right ahead. Say hi to the Basques to while you're at it. Exactly. So Ubaidallah agrees. He names Ukba the governor of Al-Andalus. He decides is that he himself will take on the governorship of Ifriqiya, and he leaves one of his sons behind in Egypt to serve as governor there. Oh, no doubt seething. So that's how Ukba gets to Al-Andalus. He chose it on purpose. Oh, wow. I'm imagining him as delightfully feckless uh, <laughs> at this point. Now, of course, Ibn Khattan is already governor of Al-Andalus. Yes. At this yes. time. But and we, unpopular. He so. was unpopular. He appointed all these new judges that were much harsher than, than yes. necessary. So he wasn't the, popular. The and reason I know that, by the way, is I have under my notes in, in, in that episode, unpopular in both uh, capitals and bold. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've seen before that a new governor of Ifriqiya typically means a new governor in Al-Andalus. Right. So nobody right. thinks it's very strange when Ukba shows up with orders from Ubaidallah, right? right? They're like, oh, okay, new governor. Obviously, we're getting a new governor, too. Sure. Now, uh, Ibn Khattan may not have gone quietly, as we saw in his episode, because he ends up in prison. Right. I, I imagine there was a lot of kicking and shrieking and do you know who I am and this shall not stand and various kinds of pearl clutchings well it um, did stand because Ukba yes. takes power and he dismisses the unfair judges and he rails against the injustices of Ibn Khattan and, and does all of that great stuff right. right right so now he begins his governorship this is about 735 736 okay is where we're at right right because I have I have Ibn Khattan getting out at 741 at the so, for right. the second time right exactly 
Okay. So both Uqba and Ubaidallah know what the Caliph Hisham wants. He wants money. Money. <laughs> money. This this guy has constantly had money flow problems during uh, throughout his very long caliphate. He's been with us for quite a while. Right. And and we've seen from the from the economic structure of the caliphate that it is about as economically stable as an MLM. Right. Uh, that yeah, that yeah, yeah. It, it relies entirely on getting on expansion and more money. And they're they're finally up against a wall of people who uh, don't care to be expanded upon. And now the economy is sort of crashing. Yes, exactly. I like how you call it an MLM because yeah. that's that's exactly how it is. You need new territories to right. get booty from, basically. Exactly. And I, you need non-Muslims to tax. Right. I, I don't care to buy Amway, thank you very much. No, that's not an acceptable answer. Right. Not an acceptable answer. Uqba also knows that one of Hisham's main complaints against Ibn Qatan was that he didn't go out and fight the Franks. Right. Yeah. Right. He, so, you know, minor, minor ratings, which he tended to lose. Well, and deciding that he's going to go beat up on Christians instead, because that's easier. And then right. discovering that the Basques are not easier. Uh, no, no, no. Why don't you wear orange to an IRA meeting while you're at it? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So both governors do their best to increase the take in their areas. And mm -hmm. as per usual, the people who were mostly squeezed were the Berbers. Of course they were. Yes. Of course they were. Yes. The Chronicle of 754 says of Uqba, after extending the ceremonies of the law, he ordered a census to be taken of the people and strenuously promoted the exaction of tribute. He sent the yes. Spanish malefactors and those implicated in crimes away in ships designated for this purpose, and he very energetically enriched the fisc by various means and lived uh -huh. austerely on his private income. Strenuously, very energetically, I just hear broken thumbs. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that really is uh, clearly what's going on. So so he knows it, he knows exactly what Hisham wants him to do. Sure. Ubaidallah is the same way. For his part, he appoints mayors of various towns across North Africa with specific orders to up the tax intake. <laughs> uh, popularity is not a priority. No, no. Popularity was not a priority for either of them. Mm -hmm. Ubaidallah and Uqba also both take on ventures to increase their monetary intake through conquests. Sure. Now, Uqba gets his chance almost right away because the mayor of Narbonne, up in Sanania, mm -hmm. which is in yes. Muslim hands still at this time, mm -hmm. sends him a message that he is being sieged by Charles Martel. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. So Odo is now no more. He was very old in, in mm -hmm. our last episode. But right. right before he died to get help against Abdel Rahman, he pledged fealty to Charles Martel. Right. I was going to say, you, you, you sign up with the giant uh, to sort of hide beneath his skirts. Yes. Um, so, uh, all right. Now Odo is, is no longer living and Charles right. Martel is firmly in charge in Aquitaine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so now he's dealing with the problem that Odo did not by putting pressure on Al-Andalus, right? Starting right. with Septimania, which, as we know, is in what is now modern day France. Right. Right. So... Uqba answers the call, he takes the army up to Septimania, and he is able to break the siege, but other oh. than that, he doesn't make very much headway against the Franks. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, breaking the siege is, is in and of itself an accomplishment. I mean, that's It is thing. good, but... Particularly Uqba... if it's a siege run by Charles Martel. I mean, yes. again... Yes, so, so he saves the city, he keeps Narbonne in Muslim hands, but he mm -hmm. knows that uh, he, he's going to have to do another campaign. 
Right. So right. so he starts prepping for that. Mm-hmm. Ubaidallah, meanwhile, is prepping for a full-scale invasion of Sicily. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, Sicily has been raided by uh, various governors of Ifriqiya before, bringing back mm-hmm. lots of treasure and booty, but, but Ubaidallah is like, we need more. We need to right. hold. We need to hold this land and extract tribute from it. Right. I was going to say it's it's a whole island. I want every bit of the triangle. Yes, I um, want it. Okay. All. Right. So he undertakes this invasion with the bulk of the Ifriqian army in early 740. Ooh. Okay. I'm worried. This, this see 740, as mm-hmm. you may know from yes. earlier episodes, this is when the Berber revolt happens. Right. Right. Yes. It, it seems like they were waiting for mm-hmm. the army to be elsewhere. Right, right. Yes. So a man from Western Morocco, a man named Maisara, has been gathering followers, has been gathering uh, people who are really fed up with how the Berbers have been treated. Mm-hmm. And they wait until 740 when the mm-hmm. army of Ifriqiya is away and they rise in revolt. Yes. Uh, now, just to clarify for my own, well, clarity, this is not a religious war. That is to say, the Berbers are, are Muslim and yes, they have are. no intention of abandoning. I mean, I... No, I, they, right. they, do not, okay. they do not plan to be not Muslim. But right. now that you brought it up, let's talk a little bit about the origins of this revolt. Okay, I said good. from the beginning, when we were talking about the caliphate and about Islam as a religion, mm-hmm. that the two main messages of Islam was monotheism, mm-hmm. for one, and right. that everyone is equal before God. <laughs> well, one of those is easier to uh, abide by than the other. And we talked about how both of these messages were very controversial in the sure. Arabian Peninsula of, of course. the 600s, right? Yes. It was a polytheistic society, right. and who you were, who you were related to, what color your skin was, sure. all of this was very important to society. Uh, so when the caliphate expanded across North Africa... Mm-hmm. Most of the native population, which we've been calling the Berbers, although there are many different tribes that all kind of fall under the Berber cultural umbrella. Right, right. It's it's kind of, again, if you think about, you know, the invasion of America, we refer to everyone as Native Americans. Well, yes, but... Right. Well, the Berbers actually converted very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's thought that the tribal structure of North Africa facilitated this because if the head of a tribe converts, then the rest of the tribe will also convert. Right. And there's sort of a, you know, local religion, sort of almost a a Presbyterian, uh, as it were, approach that must have appealed uh, as well. Well, it definitely appealed the idea that it didn't really matter who they were. They could be full participants in society. Right. Yes. Right. As Mm -hmm. long as they became Muslims. Sure. That's not how it turned out. As I was going to say, and now we get to the asterisk. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so in actual reality, the fact that they were new converts, so they hadn't mm-hmm. been Muslim for very long, mm-hmm. the fact that they were not Arabs, right. much less members of the same tribe as Muhammad, right. that oh, these things became much more important than the Berbers were expecting from what they had been preached. Yes. Right? Yes. They were not You expecting. told us. We, yes. we joined in part because. 
Right. And I don't think they were surprised, but it was unwelcome news that the fact that they were browner than the Arabs yes. made a difference. Right. right? We're not because shocked, but we're very disappointed. Very disappointed. <laughs> so this means that an undercurrent in the Muslim religion, which has been there since the days of Muhammad or just right mm -hmm. after Muhammad's death, mm -hmm. called the Karij or the Karijites, Okay. Uh, found very fertile ground in North Africa. I, I would imagine. Now, this, this movement, and it, it's different throughout the different points of history, but at its mm -hmm. base, it is a, a reivindication of the idea that anyone can be a Muslim, anyone can be a good Muslim, as long as they follow the five pillars of Islam, as long right. as you don't do anything haram, none sure. of this, how long you've been a convert doesn't matter, the color of your skin doesn't matter. And right. they even argued that any, anyone who is a good Muslim could be caliph. Right. Which in theory, not, yes, has not been the case. Every single caliph we've had up to this point has been a descendant of Muhammad in some way. Of course. A member right. of his of his clan. Right. Yes. So once you're in the seat, stepping aside is really more a, you know, a, a, a more honored in the breach than in the observance. Okay. Right. So these Karajite itinerant preachers that came to North Africa, to Western Morocco, received a very great welcome. And a lot of people were very interested in these, these religious ideas. Sure. Right. So you ask if it was a religious struggle. No, it was not necessarily, but it mm -hmm. did involve different beliefs within the Muslim religion. Right. I process that. I, I just assumed based on what we've, well, we've talked about the treatment of the Berbers, that it had more to do with uh, essentially bigotry and money. Mm -hmm. Obviously, yes, I, I, I appreciate the, 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 the clarity. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so this man, Maisara, mm -hmm. he was a Berber. Right. We don't really know much about him before the Berber revolt. And uh, the, the spelling of Maisara? Uh, lots of different options. I have of it course. down as M-A-Y-S-A-R-A. -A. Although All I have right. seen that Y written as an I as well. Okay, got it. Uh, several Arabic sources mentioned that he was a water seller in the market of Kairouan. That this is oh, that's a very, that's, that's a poetic yeah, uh, that, origin that, story, isn't that it? He comes, that he comes from the kind of people who bring water to mules. Exactly. Like yes. Right. It's it's hard to pick out whether this is true or not because most mm. Arab sources are extremely biased against this revolt. Right. I was going to say the the Arabs are not going to give a full and fair accounting of this particular individual. Other nicknames that he's often called is the ruffian, the ignoble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm, so the rapscallion. Yes. The ne'er do well. Yeah. Uh, the, the, all right. Not a very um, positive view of Mysana that we. Get. Sure. Sure. So the Ifriqian army is safely away in Sicily, and Mysana right. decides now is the time to act. He and his followers rise up, and they go to Tangier. Tangier is currently being overseen by a man named Omar, who was appointed by Ubaidallah. Wikipedia points out about this guy that he was extremely inventive in his extraction of tax. Ooh, wow. I'm not sure whoever wrote that was, uh, was very poetic about That's, it. That's, yeah, there's so many atrocities under that umbrella. But he, uh, he was apparently extremely hated by the Oh, yes, population. yes, yes, absolutely. 
So uh, Maisara okay. and his followers come out of the desert. They go to the city of Tangiers. They roll over it instantly and sure. they kill Omar. Yeah, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> yep, right away. Mm-hmm. And they hold the city. News of this reaches both Leidala and Ukba, and they freak out. As well they do. Now, Ubedala, obviously, this is in his territory, right? This is part mm-hmm. of, this is this is right there on the African continent. And right. his army's away. He doesn't have, he doesn't have the forces mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to do this. They're, they're in Sicily. They're okay. All, the the okay. vast majority of them are in Sicily. So right. he basically puts out a message saying, anybody, anybody at all, <laughs> please come. Help. help, 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 please come fight. And what he gets are mostly nobility. He gets the rich oh, people no. who oh, live no. in Kairouan, who live mm-hmm. in Egypt, and they come with their cavalry, and, and that's that's all they've got. Like, all the foot soldiers and everybody are away. Right, and and if they're like the nobility in the Western tradition, they're just going to make things worse by showing up. It's 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 always a bad officer corps that is drawn from hereditary authority. Ukba also gets this news. He's in Pamplona yeah. at this time. Yeah, he's preparing he's, for that second campaign against the Franks. He's way far away. He's very uh, far away. And he's also more concerned about the Iberian Peninsula than he is about North Africa. To right, be quite like Berbers in Spain, because we sent them there. We moved Spain. them there. Yes. Uh, yeah. And he knows if he doesn't do something, he's going to get squished. Oh, yes. We've talked about this before, but the Berbers, when they came over in the conquest of Spain, they mm-hmm. were rewarded just like the Arabs were rewarded that helped, right. but they weren't rewarded equally. They were typically given the worst the, tracts of land. Right? right. They got they got the vertical cliffside and basically, hey, an acre is an acre. So a large amount of Berbers are actually up <coughs> in Galicia in the north. Right. Galicia being the autonomous community directly north of Portugal, right? Mm-hmm. So they're in the northwest of the country. They're they're they can come down from above. And actually, sure. we saw in Ibn Katan's episode, that's what they did. They formed yes. themselves into three columns and came down from the north. Right. And Ukba knows that the other half of the Berber contingent is in North Africa and can cross the straits, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. he's going to get sandwiched between them if he doesn't do something. Right. So he abandons the Frankish campaign. He's, well, he's already, smart. Yeah, he's all ready to go. And he says, nope, I cannot. And he yeah. turns around and goes back south. He's like, I have to secure the straits. I have to right. secure my ports. And you have an army. I mean, yes. again, and we, he has we want the army there. Right. You know? Mustering an army is a time consuming process. It's very expensive. If you have one to use, use it. Yes. The Chronicle of 754 says, Ukba left proudly with his great army heading toward the city of Zaragoza. But when he learned by means of letters sent from Africa of a rebellion on the part of the Moors, he mm-hmm. returned to Cordoba without delay and as quickly as possible made his way through the Transductine Mountains. Dispatching Arabs to the Moorish strongholds without success, he crossed the sea himself when the <laughs> ships that he had been waiting for arrived. Whenever he encountered any rebels, traitors, evildoers, or those heretics, he decapitated them with the sword. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't we don't have time to linger, and beating someone to death with sticks takes a while. Yes. Uh, Thus, disposing everything as best he could and guarding the tri- the Trinacrian ports, he mm-hmm. clemently ascended his throne. 
Now, we see these transductine mountains again. Again, we still have no idea where these are. This is where uh, Roderick fought most. Oh, oh okay. Fought, I'm All sorry, right. Tariq. And right. it's mentioned again in the Chronicle of 754, we still don't know what that refers to. And right. we also right. don't know what this other reference to the Trinacrian ports. Mm -hmm. We don't know exactly what that is. Mm. But we can understand that he came south, he went through the mountains in the south, and he secured the ports on his southern coast, Okay, which is what he meant to do. Sure, sure. Right. Is this, uh, the confusion over names, is this, does this have to do with their names given by Muslim chroniclers who, when Spain is eventually won back, the Spanish renamed everything, and we don't know, we don't know which names apply to which regions because that record was lost? Is that right. sort of it, what this happened? This record here, and uh, this is also the same record that made it, that mentioned the Transductine Mountains before, mm. This is the Chronicle of 754. It was written in Latin and in ah. the south of Spain. And it's many years before the south of Spain is going to be right. Latin control again. Right. Right. Yeah. So okay. yeah. it is the issue. The You get there and you read it. You're like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. People don't call it this anymore. And yeah. no one's really around to tell us. They threw out all the old street signs and now no one knows. Yeah. Where, yes. uh, all right. All right. So... That's how it went in Spain, which is, is not mm -hmm. too bad. No. Ifriqiya, on the other hand. So Uenala yeah. goes with his contingent of noble cavalry, and they right. go to Tangiers. Oh, dear. They set up a siege around uh -huh. Tangiers, and they're like, okay, we, we gotta we gotta kill this guy. We gotta take the, the we have to stop this in its tracks, right. otherwise they will continue to go east. Right. So in 740, they fight what has become known as the Battle of the Nobles. Because... Mm, oh, oh, which just sounds like an epic slap fight, really, with a lot of bloody noses and crying. Well, it was not an epic slap fight. Oh. It was an absolute rout of the cavalry forces. Most ah. of the nobles perished on the battlefield. Of and, course. And, and this is why it's called the Battle of the Nobles, because <laughs> so many important people in Ifriqiya just died in this battle. Uh -oh. Well, the, the historical chronicles just, chronicles just got a lot easier to catalog. Then, interestingly enough, Maisara retreats back into Tangiers. Ah. He did not press his advantage. He goes Why? back within the walls of the city. Why? Do we know? We don't. Huh. And then immediately after that, Maisara is killed by his own forces and a man named Khalid, who is part of the Eastern Moroccan tribes, takes over the Berber revolt. Wow. Oh. We still to this there's... day do not know what happened. Oh, there's such an amazing story behind this. Uh... There are a couple theories. Most Arab chroniclers say, oh, Mysara was a coward. He didn't press his advantage and the people didn't like it. So they removed him and they put someone else in his place. I don't think so. I also don't think that's true. So mm -hmm. other scholars have wondered maybe if it was just an intertribal issue that the original Berber revolt started in Western Morocco and Maisara mm -hmm. was a Berber from Western Morocco. But now that they were pushing East 
and more mm -hmm. Eastern Moroccan tribes were becoming involved, maybe they wanted someone of, of their own tribal legacy to be in charge. Sure. And I mean, I, I immediately spin the scenario of Maisara initially planning to pursue, then being told conveniently that a particular group of his supporters have pulled their support. So he retreats to sort it out. Then the he's accused of cowardice, prearranged uh, and killed. And Khalid gets what he wanted from the very beginning, which is yes. supremacy. And yeah, we there's just some don't know. There's right big question mark. There's some real Borgia level Game of Thrones type stuff going on here, and I I, yes. I regret that the there that this this is lost to obscurity. It is Khalid though does press his advantage once he's okay. firmly in power he goes back out and basically mops up the rest of the forces that right. Ubaidallah uh, had and mm. just uh just completely completely destroys them sure at this point Hisham hears what's going on yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's not happy no he's not happy at all he removes Ubaidallah from the governorship of Ifriqiya and removes mm. his son from the, the governorship of Egypt and he appoints a man named Koltum to be in charge of uh, suppressing this revolt right Koltum arrives in North Africa and he's right. ready to press his advantage it's him and his nephew are, are mm. the two people leading this charge. And his nephew, you will have heard this, is uh, Balsh. Oh, okay. Yes. So that's how Balsh gets here. He is, okay. he is the nephew of the person appointed to squash the revolt. Right. Yes. We'll talk more about how that revolt squashing goes in Balsh's episode. But we yes. already know it's not good because we know from Ibn Khattan's episode that uh, Balsh is begging to come to Al-Andalus because they yes. were completely routed. So, right. you know, it's not good. But we'll I'll save that for Balsh's episode. Yes. Ukba, meanwhile, is trying to keep things calm in Al-Andalus. He's secured his ports, but the Berbers in Galicia are now organizing and ready to march south. I'm sure they are. And then Ukba dies. Uh, and we don't really know what happened. Uh, Fortunately, uh -huh. Al-Bakari gives yeah. us several options. All like, right, all right, okay. He writes down a couple different different options that, uh -huh. uh, that there could be, right? right. Ibn Bashkual's statement is that Abdul Malik, which is Ibn Khattad, revolted against Uqba, seized his person, and deprived him of the command of Al-Andalus, but he says that it was not clear whether he had him secretly put to death or whether he merely <laughs> banished him from the country. Well, I definitely hear the siren song of the Room of Knives and Poison. Yes. Uh, at this point. Okay. All right. Al-Makari continues. Ibn Khaldun yes. says in the year 121, Abdul Malik rose against Uqba, deposed him from his government and put him to death, or according to others, expelled him from the country. Okay. Both authors agree in saying that this happened in the year 121 and that the usurper retained the command during the remainder of that year and the two following until Balsh came from Africa. Mm. Al-Razi's account differs considerably from the preceding. This is all Al-Makari. He just wrote down every story that he had written. Oh, sure. Which is great. So he also, maybe he slipped on a banana peel. We, yeah. Al-Makari continues and says, Al-Razi's account differs considerably from the preceding. He says in the month of Safar of the year 123, during the caliphate of Hisham, the people of Andalus revolted against Uqba and appointed, it is said, Abd al-Malik ibn Khattan for the second time. Uqba uh -huh. had governed Andalus for a period of six years and four months, and he died at Karskakane. Kars 
uh -huh. the same month. So he says that he was up in France for some reason. Uh-huh. This is like one of those pick your own adventure books, it but every, like but every page adventure. ends with you died. He everyone agrees that he dies. Right. Right. But nobody really says. There's even some accounts that say that Ukba named he was sick. He knew he was gonna die, and he named Ibn Katan his successor. I don't know that I believe this. Because why would he, he do why that? Why would he do that? He came and deposed Ibn Katan. Yeah, no, no, no. The, I mean, the only thing I can think of is, man, they are going to talk such castanets about me after I'm dead, unless the guy who follows me is even worse. Yeah, the Chronicle uh, 754 says, after a short time, that is to say five years later, Ukba became ill and he restored the kingdom to Abdul Malik. As soon as the disease reached his vital organs, Ukba departed from the world. Good Lord. Uh, so we really don't know how Ukba died. Was he put to death by Ibn Khattan? Was he, just, did he have a disease? Did he know he was going to die? And how did Ibn Khattan come to retake the throne? Uh, I, no clue. Yeah, no clue. A bunch of different stories. But thus ends the reign of wow. I'm I'm uh, I'm very confused. All right, all right. Yeah, all right, so right. are you ready to rate him? Yeah, I'm ready to rate him. Let's do it. All right, the first category is conquistadores. Okay. So he did go out against the Franks. He okay. didn't really take any new land or or great gain any any great battles. He did save Narbonne. Yes. Right? Yes. He saved Narbonne on behalf of the mayor of of that town. Mm -hmm. uh, from Charles Martel at that. Yes, I was going to say and and yeah, and and went up against the hammer. Yes, he uh, went up against the hammer right. and came away alive. Right, I mean, which is broke more a siege than by... we can say for several governors. Right, that is broke a siege by Charles Martel. That is a trophy. That is definitely a framed photograph on the, you know, the wall of the neighborhood delicatessen. However, if we look at it from his goals, which were to take a lot of gold and booty to give to Hisham, he didn't do that. He did not. Basically, I mean, to, 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 to be fair to him, I, he strikes me as someone who made a lot of very smart choices, as in, yes. oh, this crisis has arisen, I'm going to abandon my earlier plan and address the crisis with, me, with the army. Okay, yes, that, that is what you do. It just doesn't lead you to glory. Right. Yeah. So um, I, I was going to say, we know that he was planning a second campaign against sure. Martel because right. he was up there in Pamplona readying yes. the invasion force. Right. And right. then the Berber revolt happened. Right. Not, not, not somebody who was timid, just somebody who was overtaken by events largely beyond his control. Yes. We also know that during the Berber revolt, he did secure the ports on mm -hmm. his southern coast. So he, yeah. he was effective. And right. the Chronicle of 754 does says that he decapitated a lot of heretics. Chopped so, off a lot of heads. There's a lot, a lot to be said for good. chopping off a lot of heads. That's that's fairly conquery. However, we also yes. know at the point of his death, there were still three columns of Berbers marching south. Right. So he didn't finish the job. Right, right. I mean, and and that seems to be sort of 
the, the reason why I think his score ultimately has to be compromised is if there's if there's a quality that we associate with the conquistador, it is not overtaken by events beyond his control. That is not yes. the quality that's, uh, that's that we not... reward here. You know, um, I, I read for my comprehensive exams the uh, the letters of uh, Cortez mm -hmm. and also the diary uh, that one of his foot soldiers kept during the conquest. And right. that is a man who did not let events overtake him. At he, all. He grabbed mm -hmm. them and turned yep. them to his own advantage. Yes, and yes. Okuma didn't quite do that. Right. Would that he had been worse at his job, but no, he wasn't. Oh, in, um, in the case of Cortez, yes. Yes, in the case of Cortez. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I hate to penalize him too much. It feels it feels mean, but at the same time, we, we reward results and not intention. Yes. And while avoiding disaster is going to get you a few points, and certainly breaking a siege run by Charles Martel has to get him. A few points. He didn't expand the borders. No, he didn't. Uh, he held the borders, and the borders threatened collapse because of the Berbers, and that was a threat that continued after his death. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not thinking... Four seems generous, and that's mostly because of the Charles Martel victory and also keeping the army together at the time that it was most needed, securing the ports. I feel like if the Berbers are eventually defeated, you have to give credit to the guy who started things off on a reasonably strong footing. Four, I think. I'm actually a little more impressed. I'm going to give him a five. Oh, all right. Good. I agree okay. with you. I don't think he can get more than half marks because okay. he just wasn't as successful as we need for this category mm -hmm. but i think right. he did a lot and okay i know we're not necessarily supposed to compare but he did way better than some of his predecessors oh lord yes oh I mean, can you lord, imagine yes. if like hudaifa had been in oh no 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 uh yeah. no 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 <laughs> so that is a nine for conquistadores right Second category is no me digas. What mm. kind of gossipy things happened? Well, I think we have to, uh, I mean, his death alone is is the source of nothing but gossip. Right, um, right, right. He, he seems to have been well thought of amongst the people. Al-Makari says that he was just... And then mm. he uh, he was a man of great justice and irreproachable conduct. Right. These were virtues that made him the idol of the Muslims. Sure. So so he, he tended to be well-liked, especially right. in comparison with Ibn Khattab. I was going to say, replacing Ibn Khattab is, is a really easy thing to, I yes. mean, is a, is a really good position to be popular. As in, Gerald Ford really didn't have to do very much to be very popular after Nixon, and indeed then screwed it by pardoning Nixon. It's 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 definitely uh, off to a good start, but but lived up to I'm sure that initial wave of optimism, as you say, competent, never a sense that he was coasting. Uh, no. Shall we say? And it's worth keeping in mind that given his background. He could have been a feckless loser. He you know? could have. The Chronicle of 754 says that after Okba had attained the height of power, all Spain mm. trembled before his lineage. Right. So they knew that he he came from wealth. 
You sure. know, they knew that he, sure. his family was important and he could have been feckless. He sure. could have just been a spoiled rich boy. Showing up in Afrakia the first time, it must have been like finding out that a very lesser Kennedy was about to be your house guest. Yeah, and and in point of fact, and the fact that he really wanted to sit on the throne over and over again is just so cringe. It is. Um, and and then, you know, turns around and steps up quite nicely. So I, I like the reversal. That's a that's a major that's going to be a major source of of gossip. Everybody anticipates that the story is going to go one way and he really 180s it. Not scandal, but actually kind of bizarrely the opposite of scandal. Where yeah, people is were talking about him. But... Right. Maybe in a, in a surprisingly good way, like you're, right. you're anticipating gossip and what yes. you get is like, actually, this dude's pretty good. Yeah, it's like finding out that Kim Kardashian found the COVID cure. Exactly. Like, exactly. We were not expecting that. Not expecting it at all. <laughs> at the same time, I don't know that that's really in the spirit of this category. No, no. So, and and he, he was good and wholesome and decent, apparently. So I'm going to give him a two. Oh really? Oh, I'm I'm actually going to go quite a bit. Well, not quite a bit higher, but 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 I'm going to give him a four, oh, mostly wow. because of, mostly because of the death and the fact that nobody we know he's dead, but who and how and when and because if there's anything that people were gossiping about more, I'd love to know what. That's fair. Um, so I I'm going to give him a four, if only for the death. All right. So that is a six for Numedias. Not, not bad. Our third category is Orthodoxia. Mm. This is actually a pretty good category for him. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Al-Makari says about uh, Ukba, many were the expeditions which he, he himself led into the country of the Franks. But mm. whilst intent upon extending his conquest, Ukba lost no opportunity of spreading the religion of Islam. For whenever he took prisoners, he would never order their execution without previously inviting them to embrace the only true religion and setting mm. before their eyes the gross errors and imposition of their own creed. Mm. His plan answered so well that thousands of infidels were converted at his hands. Sure. Cake or death. He he has a reputation for converting people. And this is this is not something that we have necessarily seen with other conquerors. We know no, that no. this was the process, that this was the way it was supposed to happen. Right. But Ukba apparently was so zealous in sure. converting people that it deserved a mention. For someone who, uh, I mean, for someone who clearly had plunder on his mind, he certainly didn't only have plunder on his mind. And indeed, converting people to Islam, you make them less susceptible less, to plundering. Yes, yes um, less taxable and all of that. Yes, exactly. So, I, I, no, I think you're right. I think we have to give him quite a good score. When, you're, when your brief is plunder and your impulse is instead to convert. I, I think this is I think this is indicative of a, a serious amount of orthodoxy. If your brief is coming from the caliph, that's that's yeah, a little more complicated. It is. <laughs> the Chronicle of 754 also says something very interesting. Yeah, it says about uh, Ukba, he condemned no one except according to the justice of his own law. Uh, what this means uh, is mm. that, and this is probably what had been happening, but Ukba made it official. If uh -huh. you are Muslim, yes. then you live by the Islamic law. Okay. Right? Sure. If you're Visigoth, if you're a Christian or right. a Jew, well, if you're a Christian, 
that you are judged under Visigothic law. The forum uniquorum uh-huh. still applies to you. Yeah, okay. So All you right. are not going to be hauled in front of an Islamic judge and 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 tried according sure. to a law that is not your own. Right. I can't even read Arabic, so I have no idea how to plead. Right, um, exactly. Okay. So right. as I said, this is probably something that was already happening, that, mm-hmm. that the Muslim rulers just kind of let the Christians deal with their own yeah sort yourselves out right right but but this makes it official like he officially said that islamic rule and islamic law is for muslims okay if you're christian then i'm not going to i'm not going to condemn you under Hmm. our own law that is that is complicated because again that's that's the rule according to the caliph thus that's the rule according to islam yes. but at the same time although i suppose you know we want to keep in mind that the visigoths are still people of the book yes so, christians and jews are people of yeah book. right no i'm in, i'm inclined to regard that as a point in his favor i agree uh, so whole. so we do have a couple of really good points mm-hmm. in yes. in favor of the orthodoxy yes. and the religiosity of Ulkma right. that we haven't seen in quite some time but I'd like to point out what he didn't do. Build a mosque. He didn't build a mosque. <laughs> now, there is going to be a mosque very soon because apparently. Oh, you keep saying that, but I've been burnt before. I know. Well, this isn't really a very important mosque, I must say. When well, Ibn... I'll take a, a tent at this point. Well, when Ibn Khatan was overthrown by Balsh, which we will mm-hmm. get to in the next category. You remember he uh-huh. was crucified at the crossroads with a pig and a dog. With a pig and a dog, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, apparently supporters of uh, Ibn Khatan, once the body had been removed, put a uh, uh, basically a shrine, uh, I don't know what else to call it there, and this eventually developed into a mosque. So okay. there's going to be a mosque at this at this site, which okay. is uh, interesting. So how are we going to give him, how are we going to score him for orthodoxy? I I'm going to give him good. a five. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to give him a five. I, I very much get the sense that his religion was important to him. He used his authority to act on it in a way that was surprisingly not always in his, uh, shall we say, material self-interest. Yeah, I I, I, I think a five seems uh, seems pretty good. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, that's a five for me as well. So a mm-hmm. 10 for orthodoxy. All right. Well done, you. Our final category is El Resto. What are the mm. other things that go along with being the ruler of Spain? Mm. So he has the longest rule of a governor so far, five years. It's depressing that the longest rule of a governor so far is only five years. But but longest is longest. So, longest you know. is longest. And considering that that included a, an uprising. Right. Uh, yeah. Which, to be fair, again, he didn't start and he handled reasonably effectively. The Chronicle um, of 754 introduces the Berber revolt in this way. Quote, hmm. All that vast desert from which the Arab multitudes had arisen was full of unrest, unable to tolerate the injustice of the judges. And Mm. in the Western region, which extends to the Southern zone and which is occupied more than any of the others by the Moors, the inhabitants openly shook their necks from the Arab yoke, unanimous (laughs) and determined in their wrath. Gotta love those Latinate idioms. Nice. (laughs) So this was not... This was a serious uprising. And oh, oh yeah. Did mostly weather it. 
Right, right. Did uh, better than um, Ubaidallah. Uh, well, yeah, although you pretty much have to do better than. Right. Okay. They also didn't take Sicily, by the way. They made it oh. all the way to the town of Syracuse and then they were recalled. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that didn't <laughs> even happen. So he ruled yeah. for five years. Um, he doesn't have any children that, that come to anything. Okay. Uh, which is kind of a shame. And yes. we really don't know how he died. Right. Very uncertain right. death. I think that he did probably the best job that anybody could do under the circumstances. But yes. I think the circumstances yes. are, su are such that Ukba didn't really leave much to, right. to history. There's no, as you said, there's no mosques. There's right. no libraries or hospitals or anything no. there's no coins he he was really basically focused on responding to circumstances whether that's right. those circumstances right. were we need more money or right those circumstances were there's a rebellion when you're putting out fires you don't have time to build anything but i i will give him a couple of points for this reason as as i have said before putting together an army is not easy. He prepared the country to deal with the Berber revolt in a way that was, as we know from the previous episode, ultimately successful. That the country, when he died, was militarily, you might say, organizationally, you know, the ports are locked down, that kind of thing. Yes, in, we, we in, do need to remember that when Ibn Khattan took power again, he right. was able to... to squash the remaining right. he walked into a very tidy shop yes he did. uh and was able to as you say he was able to squash the rebellion um and i think we have to give Ukba credit for 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 having essentially handed off a country ready to weather the crisis in much the same way i mean if again to draw a, a parallel obviously harry truman's the one that spikes the football but you've got to give FDR most of the credit oh, of course. for winning the war. So I, I think that, you know, I think I think Ukba is going to get a, a three from me on this one. Because granted, he didn't necessarily, you know, leave anything lasting behind. But the success of putting down the Berber rebellion, if it redounds to him, does lay a groundwork for the Spain that is to follow. I, I agree. I'm... I'm... Okay. You have convinced me. I will also give a three for okay. That is a total right. of six, hmm. and that means the overall score is thirty-one. Not bad. Respectable. Not bad. Yes, yeah, very respectable. Score. Again, we have a candidate for a little bit more time. Just yeah. needed a little bit more time. I would have um, liked to see how the situation with Balsh would have yes. taken out if Ukba was still in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is a what if. Um, it is a big what if, mm -hmm. yes. So that brings us to our final question. Is he amazingly, wonderfully oh. Spanish enough to sign the fuero? Oof. Or do we have to tell um, him Fuera? This is tough. This is a hard one. Um, I think I, he did a good job. Yes. I don't think he did a great job. Yeah, that's basically what I was going to say, is we, we don't give it to B+. Plus. Yeah. And I think he was sort of a B, B+. Plus. Mm -hmm. Could could have been an A? Absolutely. But, but didn't live in a time that allowed him to be and didn't dictate events 
in a way that asserted his power over circumstances. So no, I'm I'm going to say you can you can sit with the cool kids in the fuera room, but no. He did way uh, better than Ubeidala. Oh, so much better. But that wasn't uh, hard. Right, right. And he did good. I'll yes. say that. He yes. did good. Good job, good. Okuma, Right. But, but I'm not but, letting you But Puero is, but Puero yes. is, you did great. Yeah. Um, right. Puero is, we have an agreement of rights and responsibilities between us and yeah. signing it with Yoel Ray. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I don't see Okuma in that no. seat. No, I don't. I don't. Well, let us know what you think. Do you think Ukba should have gotten the Fuero? Please mm-hmm. contact us on our Twitter, Facebook, and Gmail accounts. Those are all mm-hmm. Spanish Arpada. We have a website, SpanishArpada.com, where we post all of our scores, any images that we've talked about, and uh, also have polls where you can vote whether Fuero or Fuera would be more appropriate for our mm. leaders. Yes. All right. It is recommendation time. I'm going to go mm. first. This. Month. Oh, please. We are currently in Hispanic Heritage Month. It runs mm-hmm. from September 15th to October 15th. It's one of those months yes. that crosses months. So my right. recommendation for this month is going to be the Smithsonian Latino Center. I actually, full disclosure, I worked for the Smithsonian Latino Center. I was an intern there in between oh. and grad school. And it's it's a really great center. It's part of the Smithsonian, obviously. Mm-hmm. They do not currently have a museum. So Mm -hmm. they are just a cultural center. They put up different exhibits in different museums, depending on what the exhibit is. For example, when I was working there, we got an exhibit up in the uh, U.S. Postal Museum. Oh, Stamps that featured Hispanic Americans, right? Hmm. Uh, They've also done different exhibits in the Museum of African American History. They've done Mm -hmm. stuff with the Museum of the American Indian, right? The biggest news is that recently they just got approval to start the process of a, a Latino museum. Oh, that's so good. Right at the and beginning, yes. So overdue. Yes. So now if you go to their Facebook page, for example, they are now, uh, their name is no longer the Smithsonian Latino Center. It's the National Museum of the American Latino or, or nice. uh, of Hispanic. Nice. I'm not 100% certain, but I will link that. I still call right. them the Latino Center because that's that's when we were when we were in that right. tiny asbestos-filled office in the right. Art Industries building. Right. Now they have a a wonderful center uh, mm-hmm. in Lafont Plaza, which is right. Great. And soon there will be a full museum. Oh, They're that's definitely worth good. a follow because they have a lot of great resources on, of course, the exhibits that they have, mm-hmm. up, but also just on different interesting bits of Latino culture in the United States. And of course, mm-hmm. now that it's Hispanic Heritage Month, they have quite a lot of great posts. Mm. So if you are interested in finding out just different bits of the history of Hispanic people in the United States, the Latino Center is a great follow. That's terrific. So, yeah, they have, uh, I follow them on Facebook because I'm an old person, but I think mm-hmm. they also have a Twitter and an Instagram and all of that great stuff. Yeah. And a website, of course, where you can right keep up on the progress toward a museum so yes the smithsonian latino center is my recommendation for this hispanic heritage month nice my recommendation has uh nothing to do with hispanic heritage but you know what that's that's okay they don't need my help it's supposed to be whatever you're into right exactly and and so i am i am actually going to recommend a book i uh, this is something that i 
read uh, on a, I, I got on board the plane to fly to Dallas to visit my in-laws and I started to read this. And when the plane landed, I kind of wanted to ask the pilot to take off again and keep flying because I didn't want to stop reading it. It was, it was absolutely gripping. Um, the book is, did you, Sarah, have you, did you ever read Go Ask Alice? I did not. Okay, but you know, do you I, you know I'm of it? I'm familiar with it. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm... For 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 listeners, go ask Alice. I I don't know if it if it go if it went much beyond the borders of the U.S. But go ask Alice was supposedly a true diary of a teenage girl who descends into drug use and prostitution and just it's 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 a a a book that was designed to scare parents that the fiendish world was coming to corrupt their innocent children and it was first published in 1971 and it just took the country by storm they made a tv movie about it this is back in the day when that was a big deal and of course part of the uh allure was that it was a true story it was go ask alice by anonymous and mm. uh, everyone believed that this was a real diary it was needless to say a total fraud it was utterly it was completely fictional and the reason why it read like the diary of a teenager is because it was written by a woman who was a terrible writer and this woman beatrice sparks was is her name is put it this way her wikipedia page starts with and i'm just going to read it beatrice sparks was a mormon youth counselor and serial hoaxer just straight up establishes her as what she was, which was fraud who used the panic of uh, American parents to sell her her work. This is a book, uh, the book that I'm recommending is called Unmask Alice, LSD, Satanic Panic, and the imposter behind the world's most notorious diaries. Oh my gosh, this um, is right up my alley. It is amazing. It is both, it is equal parts hilarious and horrifying, as in you can't believe anyone believed stuff that's this stupid, but then when they do believe it and they start to ruin lives, it's horrifying. It is a, a an utterly gripping read about, amongst other things, a woman who is just the most horrible kind of exploitative sociopath. She went on to write to, I don't want to spoil anything it, because it is one of those books where it, if, if all you know going into it is the existence of the book, Go Ask Alice, that's really all you need to, to going into it. It is an absolutely gripping read. And as I say, it is, it is equal parts funny deeply funny and disturbing. So it is It is well worth reading. No one gets out unscathed. Basically, everybody who was responsible for the panics uh, that this book uh, caused gets lambasted. Uh, it's it's kind of wonderful. So please, I do strongly recommend it. It just came out this year. I believe it was published in July of this year. So it's, it's quite fresh. Yeah. Unmask Alice, LSD, Satanic Panic, and the Imposter Behind the World's Most Notorious Diaries. It is a great, great read. 100% I am going to read that book. Okay. <laughs> All right.
All right, well, next time we are going to be jumping to the north because during the craziness of right. the uh, Berber revolt, Pelayo has died. Oh, no. He died in 737. So oh, no. now his children are going to be in charge. Oh, no. Yeah. So we're going to see whether a brand new kingdom can actually do a succession. Oh. With the I'm legacy of guess, the Visigoths. Yes, but not well. Um, well, okay. we're going to see. We're going to see how that works. So next time you hear from us, you're going to be hearing about Favila, the son of Pelayo and his oh. kingship. I'm not optimistic. Well, all we'll right, see. we'll go through it together. It's going to be okay. Fun. All right. So we will see you next time. Yes, we will. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.